Hello, Bears fans, and welcome back for an emergency podcast of Bears on Tap. Uh, This one was not in the cards, but a lot of shit happened on Wednesday uh, that we felt like we needed to talk about. I'm Ron Luce. He is Quentin Crisco at Butka Stats on the socials. I am at Luce on Tap. Q, big day uh, for the Chicago Bears. A lot of decisions made today. A lot of words shared by the front office brass, Kevin Warren, Brian Poles, Matt Eberflus. How you feeling, man? Happy Wednesday. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I've I've digested a lot of the news by now. You know, first came out about Eberflus being back and Getsy being fired. You know, it's been six hours ago now, seven hours, something like that. So I'm at peace with it now. I think in the moment, I was I was disappointed because mm-hmm. I think the main thing that that disappoints me is that. If Eberflus is on a four-year contract, which I'm not completely sure he is, I, I, I but I think he might be, mm-hmm. that next year, sure, he'll be here next year. We know that. We know that right now. But the year after, he's a lame duck. There's no extension with this. There's no vote of confidence. And what the whole uproar over this is more about 2025, who you're pairing with a number one pick quarterback is having that continuity from year one to year two for for a, a young quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I'm more skeptical than ever that that happens because there's no contract extension here for Eberflus. I don't necessarily think there should be, but the fact that there isn't, if it is a four-year deal he's on, you're talking about a lame duck trying to go find an offensive coordinator and three new offensive coaches on top of that who really – if if I'm a good offensive coordinator, why the hell would I want to go someplace where the head coach has two years left on his contract and that's it? Why am I doing that? Because I know it's a probably I probably only going to be there for one year at that point. Yeah, probably. And I think that's where a lot of the first off, we'll get that out of the way. Hashtag crack them. Um, I, I think that's where a lot of the frustration lies. Q with the decisions made on Wednesday, right? Because so for starters, we'll, we'll preface this. Luke Getze fired. Um, Janako fired. Tolbert fired. They also fired the running backs coach. Uh, Omar Young, I believe is his name, as well as the assistant tight ends coach. Um, so they've retained just two coaches. Yeah. It's weird. weird. You kept, they kept the regular tight ends coach, just not the assistant tight ends coach. So, uh, only two coaches remain tight ends coach, uh, offensive line coach, Chris Morgan also remains. And Eberflus gave him a vote of confidence in his presser today that he will still be the offensive line coach next season. Um, but to the comments really quick, Scott, emergency podcasts are cool and tough. And, uh, Jay here is just bagging for JJ McCarthy. One overall, it says oh, JJ we, McCarthy. We talked all about JJ the McCarthy on the shaving points podcast this week. Me and Jay. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for the shout Jay. We, uh, JJ McCarthy, he would walk on water in the city of Chicago. Like really Chicago would. kid, Catholic high school. Like oh, yeah. Baby pictures of him in Bears gear. Like he would walk on water in the city. He wouldn't even have to be good. No, he really wouldn't. It would be the prototypical like 
everybody loves him just because he's the hometown kid. Some some you know Southside yeah. scummy on the you know on the at the bars at Western knows him and went to school with him. And I remember when JJ McCarthy and I were pool hopping as teenagers on the <laughs> South Side of Chicago. It, it would be that level of shit for yeah. sure with JJ McCarthy. Uh, appreciate JJ jumping in the comments there, dropping the fun and, and for a good laugh there as well. But Q like. I think what you said is is probably the biggest thing with all of this is I it's the lack of a vote of confidence now going forward, right? I don't think it's so much keeping flukes because I like a lot of what Kevin Warren had to say today. And obviously I know he's a professional. He's done this before. He, he's putting it in, you know, good, you know, presentation speak. And I understand that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I, I could see through some of the bullshit, but the idea of like, the continuity sometimes is healthy for an organization. If you do truly have a good foundation and a culture. And I think the bears do, I I will give that the front office and the coaches have that credit. Like, I think that's there, but like you said, it's the lack of confidence then moving forward because right. If he's coming in to year three with a rookie quarterback, like we've seen this, we've seen this, this episode before this is, this is the reruns of the Chicago bears for a decade. Like it, it never ends. Yeah. And I think that's where the frustration is because to your point, if he's gone in year four, then you're pairing a new head coach with a second year quarterback. It's the exact same shit that we've seen time and time again from the Chicago bears. Now to your point, right? If he was getting extended, even just a few more seasons, right? Let's say they extended him an extra two years and said, you have six years on this contract. That at least guarantees him probably three years now. So if you are an OC coming in, Hey, I got a great opportunity here. I can build a resume with this team for three years. I'm going to have a, a probably a number one quarterback to work with. Cause I think at this point, no gets, he probably means fields is out the door. That's at least my first inkling that I gather from all of it. But at the end of the day, like you said, Q it, it's the lack of that, but according to the front office, and I would love to know your response to this Q According to them, they've already received calls about the offensive and defensive coordinator jobs because they are going to hire a DC. He's not going to call the defense, though. They said that will, responsibility will remain with Eberflus in 2024. Do you really believe them that the phones are blowing up, or do you think that's all just just smoke and mirrors to try to make the job sound more appealing than it actually is? I'm sure they've gotten calls. I don't know that they're from desirable candidates, but I'm sure they've gotten calls. Fair. I mean, Scott Linehan's out there somewhere, you know? <laughs> Just itching to get his hands on a Caleb Williams and get his or a Mike McCoy. I'm sure Mike McCoy would love this job, but like mm-hmm. that's not who you're gunning for, though. I mean, and hell, I'm sure I, th- there's been heat coming out about Cliff Kingsbury already, and I, I am sure one. Cliff's agent is working overtime right now to try to get him a chance in the NFL with his boy Caleb. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, that's just good being a good agent, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm sure there's there's calls, there's people sniffing around at it, but calls and interest from agents, it's their job. Right. I don't think that means anything until they get down to the brass tacks of it, to the what are contracts looking like? What's the guarantees on these? Like I most assistant coaches, I don't know what what type of out clauses you have in their contracts, but I mean, if if the Bears are willing to go we'll pay this whole contract out if we fire you. Then I don't know, maybe maybe there is more there than than my initial comments, but I tend to think that there might not be. And to uh 
Jay just said in the comments, Kellen Moore. I'm sure Kellen Moore is all over this opportunity right now. Oh, I'm sure. sure his agent is just working the phones to get Ryan Poles on the phone. Yeah, and he says, imagine how great he'd be with Williams. He's a proven trier. Uh, <laughs> and in addition, Jay jumping in saying, hire Lincoln Riley as the OC and tell him to bring Cliff, Cliff as the QB coach <laughs> and really make it a, a Caleb Williams reunion in Chicago. But, you know, it just – Q, I, I think I'm right there with you, though, taking a step back and thinking about all this. Like, it happened, and I was like, how do I feel about this? And then it was truly – now it's just, okay, I'm at peace. Whatever. It's happened. This is the decision that's being made. Whether it's the right one or not remains, obviously, to be seen. But they – at least, I think, with him coming back, right, like – I don't even know how I'm trying to frame this – to say, like – at least they have the draft capital, right? Like, and you just sure. hope they get at least that right. Because if you have a good team, at the end of the day, you're going to be able to disguise some ugly coaching at, at times, right? Like, if you have an elite team, a Denver-type game probably doesn't happen. A um, That first – or the first Detroit Lions game probably doesn't happen, right? Like, you probably at least get two of those three atrocious losses this season back with yeah. elite talent. So you hope that Ryan Poles continues to build the team because he's done a good job so far, right? I think a lot of people have a good vote of Ryan Poles' confidence in terms of drafting talent. Yeah. But again, it, it it just, it's getting to the point now where it's like, and Q, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it just is like, isn't this kind of what we expected, like in the back of our minds? Like they're going to keep Eberflus, they're going to can Getsy, they're going to draft a rookie because we've seen the same program over and over and over again. And I think that's what's tripping up a lot of Bears fans right now is because it's like this is no different than when they kept John Fox and drafted Mitchell Trubisky. This is no different than when they kept Matt Nagy and drafted Justin Fields. Now you're going to go out and draft Caleb Williams potentially and pair him with Eberflus and a new O.C., all for it to potentially get blown up next year anyway, and then it's Williams and a brand new staff? I mean, if I'm being honest, this is – it's – I don't know. It's insane to me. I, I just don't – if – like, Ryan Poles must really, really believe in Matt Eberflus. Like, to – because th this is job risky. Like, if this all goes downhill next year – Ryan Poles might be out the door with Matt Eberflus mm. versus taking his shot to hitch his wagon to a new head coach who's going to get a three-year, a, a, a fresh three years with a rookie quarterback. Because I feel like with a rookie quarterback, you would automatically give the guy three years unless you just completely screw everything up. Right. Um, so that's that's the thing that is the most shocking to me with this. The fact that Ryan Poles is putting himself in this position because it just it feels risky for his job, for his sake. And I do think to 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 the point of what you said, with Poles talent evaluation, it's been really strong, right? And I've heard a little bit about this out, out like throughout the day. And I just was was parsing through some quotes from the press conference. And Kevin Warren made a really strong point about Eberflus's willingness to play rookies and to help them grow and be an active participant in their development. And I, on top of that, the stuff I heard throughout the day was that Eberflus is actually a, a supposedly a really good talent evaluator for a coach. And the coach is like, sure, it's the GM's job. The draft is their job. The free agency is their – coaches have a lot to do with it. Like, But some coaches 
partake in that a lot more than others. And some coaches mm-hmm. are a lot more active participants, a lot more interested in it than others. And I think Eberflus might have quite a bit of a hand in what is going on with the drafting and the talent acquisition that's going on too. So that makes me wonder if that's that might be a part of why Poles is so confident in it because he feels like the, the two of them together are really working well on, on that talent acquisition front. And I think if that is the case, because hearing that admittedly, because that is something I did not read, that is exciting to me in a sense, because at least it gives you a little additional vote of like, okay, Matt Eberflus isn't probably just this lame duck guy that everybody thinks he is. Like he brings value to the table in the head coaching position beyond just the on-field duties that you see on Sundays. I I think too, what, what is most interesting about that though, is I think hearing that as well, Q, makes me even further believe they have to nail the offensive coordinator hiring. Like, they have to nail it. This cannot be Eberflus bringing in his buddy because he knows him and thinks he might do a good job. Like, this needs to be like, hey, the legitimate best candidate wants this job. We think he's the best candidate. He gets the job. Yeah. And there's so many names out there. I think that's the fascinating thing, right? Because, like, you look at the head coaching list and it's – it's probably it's a much smaller list around football, right? Like it's your Ben Johnsons, it's your Bobby Slowicks, it's your even though I don't even know if Bobby Slowick's been requested for an interview yet, maybe for Washington. I think that might be the only one. There's there's yeah, a lot sure. yeah, there's a lot less names, it feels like that are true, like serious contenders. Not saying there aren't guys that are gonna get interviewed that you know are aren't deserving or or just in that echelon, but it feels like the OC opening there's so many more names that could fit there, right? Like you think about every quarterback coach in the league is effectively a candidate, right? And then all these OCs that are either changing positions or maybe their head coach got fired and they need to land somewhere else. And they maybe aren't in that conversation for a head coaching job right now. Like all of those guys come into play for this. And it's almost more fascinating than the head coaching search because I think it's such a much a broader list of names in the pool that could potentially be brought in. Q, with that in mind, is there an OC that you really love? Because obviously they're not bringing in Ben Johnson to come laterally to a division rival at this point in time. You know, who in your eyes is the best or at least maybe your preferred candidate for the Bears to bring in an OC? So the quarterback coach with the Rams, Zach Robinson, he's a guy that I'd be really interested in just because you look at the track record of their quarterback coaches, their offensive coordinators. In the past, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I saw, I, th- I think it was in one of a Nick DeMeo's article uh, Big shout over at ontapsportsnet.com. I think Bri- he had Brian Greasy in there, which I'm, it's going to take some selling for me to get there with Brian Greasy after, you know, watching him in a Bears uniform for a year. <laughs> um, but, Coming from the 49ers, working with Brock Purdy, that is interesting. If you are, if you want a guy like Drake May, I think that gets really interesting because that's, I think that's kind of what Drake May needs. He needs a Shanahan system. He need I, I doesn't need, but I think a what Shanahan system from. is where he will do his best work. And but versus a guy like Caleb, a, a guy like Caleb, I think. Zach, uh, Zach Robinson's probably going to give you more creativity on that front. Mm-hmm. And even people people hate the idea of Cliff Kingsbury, right? Like I, I've heard that mm-hmm. uh, like 
the second his name got brought up, a chat I'm in just all started groaning and going, no, not that. <laughs> but if I'm sitting here and honestly thinking about that, and, and I'm biased, I went to Texas Tech. Cliff Kingsbury held every record at Texas Tech till Pat Mahomes came along and broke him. Um, so I am biased on this. But <laughs> he, I think he did a pretty good job getting Kyler to – play pretty darn well like it wasn't it's not a given that kyler comes in the league and starts playing well and keeps playing well he's in the mvp conversation two years ago before he before he tore up his knee like kyler was doing really good stuff under cliff kingsbury and i don't think cliff's a good head coach but i think he's a really good offensive mind so i i can get behind cliff i'm probably not as excited for him as i would be like a zach robinson but I could get behind him with Caleb. No, I, I think that those are both intriguing names in this. I think the Brian Greasy is kind of a fascinating name just because of he's another kind of Shanahan disciple effectively at this point, right? It, it's it's coming from that McVay-Shanahan tree, right? And I think, again, yeah. that's why Robinson makes a lot of sense. A couple quick comments here, Q, and I've got a name for you that I want to bounce off you as well. Um, Scott said a little bit earlier, said if I was an OC, I'd love to take the Bears OC job. You, you could potentially get Justin, Marvin Harrison Jr., DJ, plus a lot of help on the line, or you could even get Caleb help on the O-line and then probably a receiver of some sort in free agency. He also adds, uh, plus then you get all the credit for any increased productivity in the offense. Any any random Chicago drunk on Malort. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, Rick says, how you guys doing? Uh, first time coming to the show. Welcome, Rick. Thanks for coming and, yeah, and, and dropping by. In, Rick. And uh, we appreciate you dropping in. He says, maybe Pete Carroll will come run the show at Chicago. They said he's going to be an advisor, but I think that's a load of horse shit. I think if a team comes and calls him to, to be the head coach somewhere, I could 100% see that happen. Um, hey, Pete Carroll is the quarterback whisperer. He really is. The second Matt Liner left Pete Carroll, dude sucks. Garbage. Yeah. The second uh, Russell Wilson left him, he Garbage. sucked. Second Geno Smith got to him. Holy shit, Amazing. look at Geno. He's yeah. good now. Yeah. Pete Carroll's a quarterback whisperer. I never, five years, two years ago, I would have never expected to say that. But I am now convinced. Yeah, and it's crazy. And speaking of Pete Carroll, this is actually the name I was going to. I think Scott kind of read my mind here a little bit. Seattle's OC, Shane Waldron, could potentially be a name because from what we've heard, all the Seattle coaches have been given permission to seek jobs elsewhere. They want to give the new head coach a fresh look at bringing in whoever they want. Waldron is a guy that, Again, he's he's been a part of this. He's been with Pete Carroll, who, as you just said, is the quarterback whisperer. I think Waldron's a very fascinating name that could potentially be out there too, probably right along with a, a, a Robinson and some of these other guys, just because of the success that Seattle continues to have with, no, not a shot of Geno Smith. I mean, he's not a horrible quarterback by any means, but like you said, all these guys worked with Pete Carroll and worked in that Seattle system. And dare we say, look at Tampa. Tampa's yeah. offense quarter came from Seattle and Tampa's offense improved immensely and, and looked good with Baker Mayfield running the show. So I, I think it, that's another name to me that's so intriguing in all this, because maybe you do then have kind of that, you know, you get the tight ends involved and you got a couple elite receivers. Like we've seen those Seattle offenses be very good over the years and give them a chance. I mean, even this year. They had a lot of things kind of not go their way, and they were still in the playoff picture all the way until week 18. So I think it's yeah. another interesting name that's at, at, you know, kind of there as well. Yeah, I think uh, Shane Waldron is really interesting. because, And I do think that there has been um, some thought this season that 
Dave Canales had a lot more to do with their success last year than was initially thought because of what he's done in Tampa and how Seattle's offense kind of tapered a little this year. Now, Gino still, was hurt. They were still 12th in DVOA after being 10th last year. Were they? So they didn't fall off too okay. terribly. Okay. Yeah. I just I knew that I'd started hearing Canales' name a lot more and Waldron's name a lot less. So I I wasn't exactly sure where they stood ranking-wise. I'd still be interested regardless. Just, I mean, you got to get the guy in the room and talk to him, right? Right. That's, At least that, interview that, him. That, that, that's what interest means. Interest right. doesn't mean I want that guy. It's... It's, you know, I'm interested in the idea of him. I, it's it's so hard with coaches, like, predicting what head coaches, what coordinators are going to be good, which ones aren't, because the reality is we just have such little information. We have so little to go on. Like, two years ago before the Bears hired Eberflus, I went down every rabbit hole I could find writing novels about these head coaching candidates Oh, I remember. And I still felt like I couldn't, I, I didn't really know anything. You yeah. know, it was like, you can search all day, all night for everything you want. Unless you're in the room with these guys ever, you just don't really know that much. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I think that was something that even Eberflus kind of alluded to today in the, in the press conference was like, they are already looking at guys like the the process has started effectively at this point they're probably like they probably got off that press conference and at least made a few phone calls to try and schedule interviews with guys if i'm if i'm betting money right now and it might be just some of the low-hanging fruit guys that you don't need to get permission from and things like that like it might be the frank reichs of the world it might be the you know the guys that are free agents ken dorsey's of the world but at least they're going to start getting those, like you said, getting the guys in the room, get to understand what their philosophies are from an offensive standpoint, because this isn't your, I guess I'll say typical job because most jobs, right? It's either it's an offensive minded head coach that's calling the plays and, and then you're the OC underneath him almost, or you come in, maybe you have a defensive head coach and you get to run the show. But like in the bears case, it's very different because you have the defense, the head coach calling the defense. So the yeah. OC is very much going to have full reins of what is going on in terms of the offense. Obviously, Iberfus is going to have say, but that is going that this might be if I'm an OC and I want, dare I say, power for lack of a better term, the Bears' job might be the best job for that because of the situation at hand with Iberfus being the head coach and calling the defense. Yeah, it's really a. Uh, it's one of the things that kind of concerns me, though. It's a power struggle within the coaching staff that that is kind of you are the Bears are potentially breeding power struggles within their own staff with this. That's something that I'm a little bit worried about here. Um, but I do think you're right. I think it does offer some like if I'm if I'm a QB coach somewhere saying, man, I just got to get some freedom to do my thing and I'm going to rock at it and I'm going to take Caleb Williams and we're going to be a that kid's going to be a rock star with mm -hmm. me calling plays. This is probably the job I'm most interested in. Yeah, 100%. And again, I mean, there's a lot of quarterback coaches out there. Greasy is, is a name that's been thrown around um, as well. 
It's going to be very interesting to see uh, where they go with this. Uh, one quick comment here from Scott that is a very good point about the press conference today. He said his best part of the press conference was when Ryan Poles said that Jalen Johnson isn't going anywhere. He was very blatant about that. There was no beating yeah. around the bush of, well, we're going to try to talk to him. We're going to try to you know, get him in the room and discuss with him. It was like, no, 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 he's not going anywhere. And and Jay and even Jalen Johnson kind of echoed that on six seventy to score um, or, or last week when he they asked him about it extension. He's like, I have confidence it's going to get done. So they've probably already been talking behind closed doors about an extension with him. I wouldn't be shocked if we maybe learn about a Jalen Johnson extension before we learn about who the OC is going to be for the Chicago Bears next year. The the keystrokes might already be done. For all we know, it's the way they're talking. It sounds like they have it pretty much wrapped up. They might be figuring out some some final little pieces, but that it's mm -hmm. it's a done deal. Yeah, and and that's that's exciting because again, I think everybody saw. Obviously, Johnson's been a very good corner over the last couple of years, but it felt like this year he really took that that massive leap forward. And better be first team All Pro. I, I I've been, I, if you follow me on Twitter, I've been I've been honking that horn for weeks now. Oh yeah, but like he is. His numbers are undeniable. He should be first-team All-Pro. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it'd be a travesty if he's not first-team All-Pro. And, I mean, there's a couple of guys that you could – as crazy as it is, right, given just how the Bears season went. Like, there's a couple of guys on this team that you can make cases for at least to be second-team All-Pros. I mean, there, there's a couple of guys up there that are, are going to get a look yeah, for – The one other that really, I think, has a strong case or could, like, theoretically have a strong case is Tevin Jenkins – but I think he missed too many games. If he if he didn't if he missed like half the games he did and kept his play at the same level outside of the poor week eighteen a week after he had a new just his baby was born and probably hadn't slept in a week, which I think had a huge impact on him in that game. Definitely, um, he was playing at an all pro level. So oh sure, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting, but I that's that's my little bold prediction for the show, like you said, Q. I think it's we're gonna hear about that before we know who's who's calling the offense next year in, in 2024, I think, from a Chicago Bears standpoint. Q I, I I have a question for you while we're still on the topic here. When it comes to the offensive coordinator, do you believe that the Bears do you believe that the Bears could go to another team and potentially steal an OC? Like, do you even think that's a remote possibility here? And I'm not saying he's going to be the guy because he's probably going to be in the talks for head coaching jobs. But like, for example, a Bobby Slowick, right? Like, would you be able to go slide over and get somebody of that caliber? Obviously not a guy that's going to be in the head coaching talks, but maybe that guy that's like right underneath that, who's not quite there yet, but you're like, ooh, maybe we can bring this guy over and get him for a year or two before he potentially gets head coaching offers. Outside of Waldron? I have a hard time seeing it happen um, okay. because I believe NFL teams can block lateral moves. They can, they can block requests for interviews on lateral moves. So I, I don't know why a team would allow it. That's fair. Um, unless they were potentially thinking about moving on themselves, but I think by yeah. now they probably already would have done so. So that's fair. I, again, I was just curious because uh, I'm, I'm going to be intrigued because you know we'll start hearing whispers of who they're interviewing, right? Like the reports are going to start to come out. Obviously, nothing's going to be concrete per se, but at least the names are going to be thrown out there over the course of the next, I would say, probably seven to ten days. I'm intrigued to see the level of names that they're truly interviewing, right? Because yeah. my worst fear is they're interviewing Frank Reich. They're interviewing, 
you know, these guys that, yeah, these guys that you're like, that doesn't move the needle. That doesn't give a, a, a fan a sense of hope because you're not going and getting some of the most attractive candidates. Now, if we hear, and again, I know, like you said, a lot of people are probably going to groan, but like, if we hear about Cliff Kingsbury, if we hear about um, Robinson, if we hear about those kind of caliber guys being interviewed for this position, then I at least personally have a lot of faith in like, Ooh, okay. They have a good target of who they really like in the league. And they're not just doing the buddy buddy system that we see time and time right. again in coaching. They're truly trying to find the best, just perfect fit for that OC position within Chicago and within their, their team infrastructure. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm really curious to see who these names are, what the names are, and who they've worked with. You know what? what what's yeah. their history? What's their quarterback? Like, were they there to, for to develop a quarterback wherever they were, or did they work with only work with? Like one thing that with Zach Robinson that's actually kind of tough. Guys only worked with Matt Stafford. It's true. Like we we don't know if he knows how to like like that's that's the that, that's the. I guess downside of some of the more attractive names is they're also the less known names. Like I can sit here and rag on a Jim Caldwell at the same time, Jim Caldwell has worked with all different types of quarterbacks in all different stages of their careers, Mm -hmm. Um, including number one, overall pick Matt Stafford. It's true. It's true. Yeah. The the little tie in of, of two guys having it's some familiarity. Uh, Scott brings up another great point here. And this was absolutely something that I caught on to as well, listening uh, to everything that was being discussed in the press conferences. Scott says adaptability was the key word used. The Bears can ask for different game plans for fields and any player in the draft so they can see how the new OC changes their scheme to fit the different players. And that was something that you and I kind of talked a little bit off camera about before we got started with the show was. Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus looking for an OC that's going to have that game plan of how do I further potentially develop a Justin Fields who's in, you know, going into year four of their career in the NFL? How do I potentially develop a number one overall pick at quarterback as a rookie? How do I potentially, maybe if the Bears went totally bonkers off the wall and said, we're going to trade Justin Fields, we're not going to draft the quarterback with the number one overall pick, and we're going to move it and we're going to go sign a, a veteran quarterback, right? Hypothetically yeah. speaking, Kirk Cousins, something like that. Yeah. How do you, but how do you adapt to that, right? How do you put a Kirk Cousins in the best position to win if the Bears were to add a Marvin Harrison Jr. and add maybe another offensive lineman higher up in the draft, another pass rusher, and have a team that almost feels, dare I say, a little bit ready to, to kind of go for it next year? I think that is truly the biggest key is you want a guy who, you know, because you even said it, right, Q? You said Brian Greasy. If he were to come in, that feels like a Drake May fit because of the type of style that they would that he would bring from the Shanahan offense. But then it's also being able to say, well, what if we don't get Drake May? What if it is Caleb Williams? What if it's Justin Fields? How do you adapt your scheme, your game plan? Excuse me, to you know each of these individual guys. And I agree. I think that's the biggest key that they need to do. But then you have to kind of sit there and go, well, like to your point, Q, right? How many guys have you worked with? What kind of game plans have you had in the past? Are they more willing to say, hey, just because you haven't had that actual experience, what is your game plan and does it make sense in the minds of Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus moving forward as well? Yeah, and that that's that's really one of the things that concerns me with Brian Greasy. I mean, you look at you look at a quarterback who had the best years of his playing career under Mike Shanahan, now coaching 
under Kyle Shanahan, <laughs> Brian Greasy was a very regimented quarterback. Sit in the pocket like a statue. Go through your reads. Boom. You see this, you do this. See that, you do that. Not an improvis- improvisational guy. Not like I, I think that he's a coach who would have a hard time. And this is pure speculation, but who I think would have a hard time seeing the game through the same lens as a player like Caleb Williams or Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think that he can see he sees the game in the same light. Yeah, and I agree with you, right? Because like you said, you talk about Greasy as a player and just he was not anything of what Fields is. And even with like you look at Brock Purdy, yes, Brock Purdy can move around the pocket well, but even Brock Purdy is more of a traditional pocket passing quarterback yeah. than he is an improviser and in, in what you would get. And not even just with Justin Fields, but also with a guy like Caleb Williams uh, at the end of the day in that same vein. Uh, Q, a great article written uh, just before the new year from our friend Nick DeMeo over at ONTAP Sportsnet. A couple of the names he listed, a few of them we've already discussed here. Uh, Frank Reich, Brian Greasy, Ken Dorsey, uh, but Clint Kubiak, another name thrown out there as a potential OC candidate. What are your thoughts on a guy like Clint Kubiak? Clint Kubiak is a guy who honestly excites me as far as being like a potential. And I don't know off the top of my head, his experience. I know he was in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins at one point. Um, let's see, where's he at? So he's in San Fran as the passing game coordinator now. It was with Denver last year. So I don't remember who Denver's coordinator was last year under Vic. Um, so I, I can't, I can't remember. Well, last year, last year, last year would have been under Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, under Hackett. Okay. Um, let's, let's skip over that one. Um, <laughs> and before that, he was he was with Denver as an assistant when his dad was the head coach. That's Gary Kubiak. Sure. sure. Um, he was with the Vikings prior to that, too, probably in uh, 2013, 2014. Was that like Brad Childress era? Um, as I say, is that Teddy Bridgewater era? Yeah. So, quarterback wise, you're talking about Teddy Bridgewater and multiple stops between probably Denver, or actually Denver, Tay Bridgewater was out of Denver by then, but Tay Bridgewater, you're talking about um, who was that, that first round pick they took, who never did anything um, out of Florida state. I can't remember For his who? name. Ponder, Christian Ponder. Christian, Christian Ponder. Ponder. Oh um, boy. And then Kirk Cousins eventually, and then like a ragtag of quarterbacks in Denver, I'm sure. And, Peyton Manning somewhere in there in Denver, probably. Yeah, um, under his dad, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or actually, no, because Peyton, when he his final year was 2015. So, because Clint got there in 2016. Ah, so, okay. that's like Brock Osweiler. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, I, I guess you're looking at a guy who really hasn't worked with that many high level quarterbacks in his time, aside from like Kirk Cousins. Um, it's interesting. I'd have to dive in more on his history, but I just, a guy who grew up around the game is always interesting to me because they've seen Absolutely. so much and they've been thinking about it from a high level since they were really young because of growing up in it and growing up around locker rooms, around game plans. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's around his dad in the nineties when his dad's game planning. And as a, his dad was a player too, Gary Kubiak. So like yeah. he's, he's seen it all. He's seen it from a player's point of view, from a coach's point of view. Um, it's a real, Guys like that are always really interesting to me. 100%. It's going to be fascinating. And again, uh, this was an emergency podcast show. So, you know, we've 
we we've kicked the tires on just about as much as we know. But Q, I have one departing question for you here before we start to wind the show down. Yeah. You're placing a bet in Vegas. $50,000. Life-changing money if you nail it. Who is your pick? Who gets the offensive coordinator job in Chicago? Oh. What is your gut telling you? Let me think. Let me think. So... There was a graphic that had odds. I'm going to see if I can pull that up real quick. Because I just want to make sure I'm not missing any names here. I know Cliff was on it. I know um, Robinson was on it. And Kubiak was on it. Because right now, honestly, like I... Robinson, like I said, I- I'm a little worried that he's only worked with a Matt Stafford. Mm-hmm. Um, Kubiak, I'm really interested by. Cliff, if it's Caleb, I, I'm i content with. I don't know that it's my favorite, but I, I, I feel like what he did with Kyler is strong enough for me to be okay with it. Um, Frank Reich... I'm not very excited about just because, I mean, maybe it's just recency bias, but what what happened with Bryce Young is pretty hard to stomach. Um, mm-hmm. Even even aside from just the fact that he was picked by the owner, like just the aspect of he couldn't find ways to get the offense to work with him. Like the guy was number one overall. He was consensus, number one quarterback, pretty much. You should yeah. be able to make something work. Um if I'm being frank, I kind of like the the fact that Jim Caldwell has done it so many times. <laughs> and I don't think he's a guy who's going to be around for five years. I don't think he's a guy who is has a big future for this offense, is going to make this offense sexy and fun. I just think he's a guy who's going to develop the quarterback right. Yeah. And that might that might sacrifice the short term for the long term, but I think that's where I'd be. That's fair. That's very fair. I don't think that's a bad pick. I'm going to kind of go along the lines of what you had to say in terms of quarterback development. This is a name that we actually haven't talked about, but the more and more I read, the more and more I'm selling myself on the idea if they can get him. Daryl Bevel, I think, would be a nice addition to this team, currently with the Miami okay. Dolphins, but has worked with a ton of guys. He's worked with all the way from Brett Favre to Matt Stafford. The Matt Stafford connection is real with all these OC candidates, isn't he? Uh, Russell Wilson, Tua Tungvaluwa, obviously Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he has had a, a ton of experience in the NFL, a guy that, you know, it has been around Mike McDaniel now. So for the fun and sexy aspect of the offense, the adaptability, we'll get those buzzwords out there. I, I think he he's a thing a, a candidate that makes a lot of sense and, and could be a lot of fun too, um, potentially for the Bears moving forward. But we'll see, man. It's, oh, it's going to be crazy. Uh-oh. Another a, a name that's been hot in the streets Uh-oh. that I forgot, forgot about. Greg Roman. Oh, I know. I've seen out, that one. Out, out on the streets. I've been hearing Greg Roman's name a lot. Uh, Eric Bieniemy is another guy to consider. That would be interesting. Like that. Eric Bieniemy would be my most surprising hire just because it would be so counter to what I think Matt Eberflus does and wants. Like, 
Matt Eberflus wants the 200 club. Eric Bienemy wants to throw the ball around the around the, the field and say 450 yards and three picks. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, Jim Caldwell's on here. One thing with Caldwell is he is 68 years old, but Kellen Moore's on here. I'd be that uh, uh, like I, I was higher on Kellen Moore a year ago, even six months ago, but now I'd be terrified of him. Daryl Bevel's on here, so you got that. Marcus Brady, who's a Eagles consult or assistant right now. Um, Kevin, I don't know that I'd be buying what the Eagles are selling right now, personally. But yeah, that's fair. Ooh, Brian Callahan. Let's see who's Brian Callahan. We're learning together on the show. Okay, Brian Callahan could be interesting. Thirty-nine years old, Bengals offensive coordinator. But he doesn't call plays. So this would be, they would not be a lateral move because going from non play calling OC to play calling OC, that's a distinction. Like that, they yeah. can't block that. Um, he, so under Zach Taylor, that's McVeigh Tree. Um, that's McVay Tree. Worked with Joe Burrow, Jake Browning. So. Came to the Bengals in 2019. I believe that's when Joe Burrow was drafted. So he's been there with Burrow from day one. Um, and he was John Gruden's quarterback coach in 2018. He was with, Sta- with Stafford in Detroit for two years under Jim Caldwell. Son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> he was under John Fox and then Gary Kubiak in Denver. So he's with Peyton. You know who should be the quarter or the OC for the Chicago Bears? Q Matthew Stafford apparently because he's working with all of these guys. Evidently, Evidently. Matt Stafford's our guy. Um, but here's <laughs> here's the part that I love that I love 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 about Brian Callahan. His dad is Bill, one of the greatest O line coaches in NFL history. Yeah, that that's right now that that's that's the guy. Give me Brian Callahan. Ooh. I like it. I like it. Change on the fly. Uh, one last comment here, Q, and we'll we'll start to shut this thing down. Uh, Scott says, steal Sharon Moore from Jimbo uh, and go get him to be the OC. It'll be interesting. There's a lot to be said and to be done. Um, we are not going to plan to have a show next week, but knowing the Bears, they're going to find a way to metaphorically spit in our eye and make us doing another emergency podcast of some sort. Um, so you'll hear from us when you hear from us when there's something else to talk about. But uh, this was a fun one to do with you, Q. Obviously, the Bears, big news. Luke Getze, gone. Janaco gone. Tolbert, gone. They're all gone. Offensive staff just ripped to the ground. Uh, Bears need a new OC, but Fluce will remain for at least another year. Uh, and now the real fun starts in the offseason as uh, chaos ensues for the next four months until the NFL draft. Again, like we said on last night's show, be sure to tune in to Bears on Tap for building the board over the next couple months. Um, there's going to be tons of great content. Obviously, we'll still come to you with our normal Bears on Tap shows when shit happens, whether it's free agency um, or even a coach, coaching hire for the Chicago Bears on the offensive side of the ball. We will see you then and very soon. Q, any, uh, any final thoughts after today in the world of Bears football? Kevin Warren can really command a room. Oh, he that, can. That man is convincing. Like, he is. I'm not I'm not buying what they're selling, but I had to think about it. And that's more <laughs> than I've ever had to say about that. Like I've I never know. felt that way before about a Bears press conference. I Usually know. I feel more like I'm listening to Ted Phillips talk about how everything else is there. They just need the quarterback. Mm-hmm. But 
Kevin Warren, like very like that guy's a politician, man. That guy can talk. Hell yeah. And I'm not mad that that's the guy that's running the bears because when you have that, that kind of swagger and that presence, uh, you can get a lot of shit done, whether it's reaching out to people, whether it's getting a stadium done, uh, there's a reason that the bears coveted him so heavily to be the president of this team. And and I think they're very pleased. I know I'm very pleased, but you're hundred percent right. I was sitting there listening to that. That'll be my final thought as well. That dude, I was listening and I oh, son of a bitch. This guy's good. Like this guy's, this guy's <laughs> real got good. Me. He's, He's got, me. got me. He's got me. He's He's got me just he's He's got me right here. He's got me right here, just where he fucking wants me. Oh, it's so bad. But you're 100 percent right, Q. He he can he can command a room. He's fun to listen to, though. He's uh, a hell of a speaker and just just an interesting dude. He really is. Uh super. I don't know. Did you read the the piece that the Bears released um just after the the New Year's Eve game about following him around for 18 hours and what his day is? I've heard about it plenty. I haven't read it though. I highly recommend you to read it. It's a very quick read because it's like yeah. three sentences and then like it goes on to the next event type thing. But just a very interesting dude. Like not in a bad way either. Just a very yeah. like interesting man. Like just different. Oh. Like he, his life is very efficient, I'm sure. Yes. Oh, the dude's up at like 430 in the morning every day type guy. <laughs> like efficiency is the definition of this dude's life. And you know, the only day he drives himself into work is on game day. And, you know, he washes his car every game day morning. And it's like, it's been a tradition of his since he was That's like, with the Rams I, 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 bet, and, I bet he doesn't drive himself most of the time. Cause that's time he can be working. Mm-hmm. And I bet. Prior to game day, that's his meditation. <laughs> you got to go read it, Q, because you're spot on. <laughs> you could probably sit here and dissect it with a knife, uh, but you nailed it, man. Yeah, it's. It, but it's still, it, it's an interesting read. It talks, it, I think the most interesting part of it was like what he does once he's at Soldier Field. Because it's yeah. a lot of like, he bounces around a lot. He talks to a lot of people. You know, he runs into a lot of people. He's always in a suite with his family at home, which I think is really cool. Like just, he's an interesting dude, but I'm right there with yeah. you, Q. He, he he had me right where he wanted me today during that press conference because I was sitting there and I'm like, damn it, like I don't want to believe him, but like I kind of want to believe him. <laughs> he's he's good, man. He's good. He's he's definitely a politician, and uh, again, uh, happy that that guy's running the show now, and it's not, uh, you know, former accountant Mr. Ted Phillips doing uh, doing the honors anymore, and just being a quarterback shy uh, at the end of the day. Uh, Q. As always, we encourage everybody to check out our other show at Bears uh, that covers the Bears. Pardon me at ONTAP Sportsnet. Bears Nation guys do a great job at Bears Nation Pod over on the socials. Be sure to follow them. Follow us at Bears on Tap. I am at Loose on Tap at Butkus Butkus Stats. Again, if you're not following Q, I don't know what the hell you're doing. You're sadly mistaken. Follow at Juice on Tap as well. Uh, and you can follow all of our panelists here. And be sure throughout the building the board, be sure to follow all of the contributors for that as well. Uh, those guys are working real hard, and, and it's going to be a great project when it's all said and done. Both baseball teams in Chicago, Blackhawks, Bulls, you know the drill. We got it all here at ONTAP Sportsnet, www.ontapsportsnet.com, at ONTAP Sportsnet on the socials, the ONTAP Sportsnet. We're going to check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. Q, we'll wait and see who the OC is, but until then, the offseason has begun. There's a lot of things that are going to happen in Bears football, and be sure to stick with us here at Bears on Tap for all the happenings from building the board to all the moves that this team makes between now and the draft in April. I am Ron Luce from Quinton. What do you say, buddy? We get out of here with a good old bear down? Bear down. <laughs>